Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? Josh Belcher, host of the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast here. Hope you had a fantastic week. Hope you're happy, healthy, spry, and everything was clicking on all cylinders for you. Firing away, everything was a okay. I wanted to take this time to thank you for listening to the podcast. This week we have two awesome guests. We have singer-songwriter Jimmy Fortune formerly of the Statler Brothers. He's embarked on a solo career. Uh, He's been doing that for 18 plus years now. Uh, He's been doing a lot of great things, and uh, he talks to uh, Brandon Skelton and I about that on the podcast. They just got a lot of good stuff going on and keeping very active and busy, entertaining people via social media uh, and all of his outlets um, during quarantine, uh, doing a lot of really cool stuff, and we got to talk to him about that. We also, from uh, one of the greatest TV shows of all time, clean, wholesome, awesome, action-packed, fun, Ben Cooter Jones, the garage man from Dukes of Hazard, was kind enough to speak with us on the podcast, talking about all things from uh, the Dukes of Hazard legacy uh, to the Rebel Confederate flag uh, to uh, you know his thoughts on everything and uh, what's going on with this world. So, a uh, really cool interview with him. And that's all on this week's podcast. So uh, I'll quit yakking it up about all of it, and we'll get to the interviews. Okay, thank you so much. This is the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast, and away we go. The first fantastic guest on the podcast this week is country music all-star, the legend, Jimmy Fortune. Okay, Jimmy was the tenor singer of the Statler Brothers for 21 years. He wrote the smash hit song Elizabeth, which he was awesome enough to sing a little bit of uh, on the podcast for us this week. Uh, After the Statler Brothers retired, he continues to perform as a solo artist, which he's been doing for 18 plus years. What a thrill it was to get to speak with him. And that's next on the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. on the podcast what a treat to have a living breathing country music megastar legend with brandon and i mr jimmy fortune thank you sir hey joshua and brandon i tell you what it's good to be with you all today you uh i just ran up those steps so i'm still living and breathing but i'm breathing pretty hard (laughs) uh, uh, brandon and i work at a planet fitness so we know all about jogging and all that good stuff oh y'all staying in shape man that's good yeah, that's we good. work here. I don't know if we work out as much as we work here. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're uh, circular, so that's a shape. <laughs> but, uh, uh, any, anyway, thanks thanks for speaking with us. Uh, just excited. You, you've been doing a lot of stuff. And, and what really uh, made me want to get a hold of you is that um, the other day I was I was fumbling through your Facebook, and I, and I like that you do those, um, you know, those uh, song sessions every so often, but your rendition of uh, Take It to the Limit just knocked my socks off. I had to stop what I was doing. I stopped driving so I could listen to it. It was so good. Oh, man, thank you. I'm a big Eagles fan, as most people know. And uh, I used to do a lot of their stuff when, through the years and uh, had groups that 
that attempted to sound like the Eagles. We never did make it that way, but you know, we uh, <laughs> we enjoyed doing their songs anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it was fantastic because it takes a takes quite a voice to hit the notes that they hit, and you you knocked it out. You and Vince Gill have had the market cornered if they need a singer. Well, uh, I thank you for saying that. If anybody mentions my name in the same sentence as Vince Gill, uh, I'm a very happy man because I consider him one of the absolute best on earth as far as everything goes, musicianship, singer, songwriter. I mean, he's he's at the top, you know, as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, but yeah, I feel really blessed, you know, to, to have been and uh, with the Statter Brothers for all those years and then now on a – 18-year solo career and uh, and into gospel music and country music and all kind of other genres of music. I I, I like all genres. I I, I said, uh, you know, there's only two kinds of music that's good and bad, and I try to <laughs> I, I, I try to keep it on the good side. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely correct. Well, hey, Mr. Uh, Force, I've got a question for you. Uh, it's it's or maybe a, a request. My wife's name is Elizabeth, and when I told her that I was going to speak to you today, she got all excited. Is, is there any way that I could get you to just hit a few lines of that song for us? Oh, Elizabeth, I long to see your pretty face. I long to touch your lips. I long to feel your warm embrace. Don't know if I can... Ever live my life without you, oh Elizabeth, I'm sure missing you. You name him Jimmy if it's a boy. Don't name him Elizabeth if it's a boy. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's, oh, that was that was solid. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, man. Were, Glad to do it. Yeah, you were talking about gospel, and uh, my granddad, uh, God bless him, uh, we would listen to you know you do the Gaither stuff and the Daily and Vincent, uh, but um, your your gospel stuff's on fire. You've got uh, that one song is so beautiful. I believe it, mm-hmm. it'll put goose, it'll put goosebumps on top of goosebumps. Well, that. Uh, you know, there's there's been when I look back through my life, there, there's been so many God things. My mama did. My mama always wanted me to be a preacher, and I wasn't a preacher. But I said, you know, with my music, I've kind of uh, it's led me into uh, real positive uh, music, and mostly into gospel because of uh, kind of because of my life and kind of where it's led me. But my mother passed away years ago, and um, I was going through some kind of hard times in my life, and uh, some decisions were having to be made, and I just had a lot of changes I was having to make. And the Statterbrooks had retired, and I was going on my own. And I had a, a long talk with God about moving to Nashville, and I felt like that's what He wanted me to do. And so I did. And then on the way coming here to Nashville, I was standing on my porch in Virginia, looking across the Shenandoah Valley, this beautiful dream home that I had built up there over the years, and and um, I felt like God said, you know, hey, you listen to me, and here's a here's a little gift for you. And right then, those words came to me, standing on that porch, looking across that valley for one last time. Wow! And um, and I I wrote those words down, and um, and I put them. Uh, uh, I had kind of had the melody uh, when I got home to to put it down on a on a little recorder, 
And so I felt like it was a gift, you know, from God, really, because uh, just, hey, you know, I listened to what he had to say, and, and it kind of led me here. And, and I tell you, it's put me in so many people's paths that, that I never dreamed. That song has kind of been the point of the arrow of my career over the last 18 years. So many people have cut that song mm-hmm. and uh, and everything. So uh, it's not just me. When I hear other people do it, I mean, uh, from little churches uh, to big artists that are, you know, somewhere in Ireland, over in Europe, somewhere artists that might have cut the song. And I listen to them and see how that song has gone all around the world many times. Um, it's a it's a powerful song, and I just I just really thank uh, very thankful for it. Yeah, it um it, it and it, like you said, and I really like you give the glory to God because when you sing it, and and I've heard other renditions, but when I hear you sing it like the YouTube video and, and watching it uh, on the uh, on the homecomings and everything, you feel and see mm-hmm. heaven. You can literally visualize heaven and what it's going to be like, mm-hmm. and I just really yeah. appreciate you sharing it. It's just a wonderful thing. Well, thank you for saying that, man. I've been listening to you guys too, man. I, I tell you, y'all do a great job interviewing everybody, man. It's really, really uh, great that you do it. You're doing a, you're doing a wonderful thing for people, and uh, well, I appreciate that. Thank, thank you, sir. Absolutely. Hey, uh, I was gonna say, you know, when you, when you mentioned there about just taking that one step, looking out over the valley one more time, just the the people that you've been able to get in the, you know, connected with with the Nashville move. Um, my family, we actually moved here to start a church as well, and and there was a quote from Craig Rochelle. I don't know if you've ever listened to him from Life Church, but he was talking about mm-hmm. most, uh, you know, most of us just have one act of obedience that we had to follow that unlocks just a, a world of blessing. And mm-hmm. that was something for us that was selling our home to move where we've moved to. And you saying that, just talking about just all the people that you've been uh, blessed to connect with from just that one simple move and all those doors that's opened even with that song. So uh, thank you for sharing yeah. that, sir. Oh, absolutely. Uh, because, uh, you know, um, I really feel, well, especially in today's world, you know, we see the things that are going on and, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a pessimist. I want to be an optimist. I want to say, I want to say, I hope that we can, um, somehow find the love of God in our hearts, uh, and get, get that love in our hearts toward one another, um, uh, so that we can get through this, you know, and, and maybe come out as better uh better human beings on the other side of it and um so with that i feel like god sent me here for a reason and i'm trying to push that narrative i'm trying to push that message um to people that um try not to get caught up in the in the bad things that are going on but try to get caught up in god's love for one another and uh and i know it sounds kind of like oh yeah it's a fairy tale life you know i'm I'm being honest. I, I I really do think that through all of this, uh, God's trying to tell us something. Yes, and, sir. Uh, and so I'm. I feel like uh, He gave me that song for a reason. Just like He talked to you all and said, "Hey, I want you to do this," and you followed Him. And people say, "Well, what do you do? You hear a big voice in your head?" I said, "No. You know, whenever you do something right or wrong, there's always something inside of you that says, "Hey, this is not right," mm. or "Hey." This is this is right, and you know that everybody knows that they have that inside of them, and that's the voice uh, that God gives us. It's a, a voice of choice, and uh, and if we listen to uh, uh, God's voice, it's the voice that always leads you down the right path, always. 
Okay. And so, uh, and I, I will say, I haven't always listened to that voice. Now I've listened to the other one quite a few times. <laughs> and and I tell, I can tell you, it's taken me down some dead end roads that lead to nothing but heartache and heartbreak. So that's how I can say what I say because I've lived, uh, and and I've experienced. And I think sometimes as human beings, we have to experience those things. And and I think that's where a lot of my songs have come from, those experiences of going down those roads and realizing what's important. And, uh, you know, we're all human beings. We're all, we're all gonna, we're gonna test the waters. We're gonna go out and as teenagers, you're gonna get into things that you got no business. And even as grown up, we're gonna take, it's gonna take some people a little longer to grow up than others, you know. But along the way, if you keep in mind that there's a road back to, to love, and peace and forgiveness and understanding. Uh, if we, as long as we realize that, then uh, everything's going to be all right. You know. You, uh, Jimmy, you've got me wanting to get rebaptized. You've got me ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had to do it a few, a uh, couple, few years back. I had, I was baptized when I was nine years old, and uh, I said I had the knowledge, you know, of 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 God's love and and of, of Christ, but I didn't have the I didn't have him in my heart like I, I hadn't asked him to come in and change my life. But I had to get down to uh, a pretty bad state in my life. To It's a shame I had to get down that low, but I did. And I, I, I think a lot of people are that way. Uh, but, the, you know, the thing of it is, is that you it's so important not to judge people. I don't judge people. I just I think people are where they are in their life and they have to figure it out for themselves. And and uh, and either you will or you won't. And uh and so it, I got down to a point where I said, man, uh, I got to do something. I can't uh, live like I'm living. And uh, and so I don't judge people because they're, but, but the grace of God, go I. You know, I, I see where so many things could have happened in my life that led me down a road that I couldn't have gotten back from. And I just thank God that I never got on, went, went that far, you know, yes, that sir. I couldn't, that I couldn't get back. And, uh, but uh, it's so important to realize that, you know, forgiveness is everything, you know, and I thank God that it is because, uh, believe me, I hadn't been that the person I should be all my life either. So I don't, I'm not judging anybody. I got you. And, that, and that's, that's the way it should be. I, I try to be that way as well. It can be hard, but I mean, you know, everything you said, I agree 110%. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, though, it made a lot of sense to me, you know, when you pray and you hear that inner voice, but. Ever since I was a kid, because of that one movie, when I hear God, I hear George Burns. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that John Denver movie where George Burns oh, died? Yes, yes, absolutely. Every, every time I mess up and I'm like, God, should I go left or right? I just hear him pull that stick all out of his mouth and tell me. That, <laughs> <I'm gonna go. laughs> that is so good. I love that. Yeah. Well, what a... Uh, what was you gonna say? Go ahead. Uh, what a great movie, though. I love that movie. I'm a big John Denver fan too. I do a lot of his stuff, man. I know just you do, and, and you knock it out. He would be so thrilled because you do his songs justice. You're one, and I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you. You're one of the few that can do it. I mean, it takes a lot to knock out a John Denver. Well, I listen to his voice a lot, and uh, man, heart. You know, you can't duplicate that because he had such a big, beautiful voice. It was just. And uh, at vibrato that was so good, and I love so much. I've never been able to do that, but um, I just took just I just kind of uh, I guess I feel what he felt when he wrote those songs, or when he uh, when he performed those songs. I, I really connect with the feeling 
uh, of it, you know. And um, I, he was a. I wish I could have gotten to meet him. Um, I uh, I got a message that he uh, was getting ready to do a patriotic uh, CD before he died. That was going to be his next project. He was getting material for it, and um, a song that I had written called "More Than a Name on a Wall" was in consideration for that. Uh, that new project that he was going to do. And I I just so regret that he died, but I regret that I didn't, if he'd have cut one of my songs, I would have been, oh my gosh, over the, over the moon, you know? Well, uh, I'm glad you brought that song up because that song, I'm, I'm six foot tall, 300 pounds, and it's made me sob like an infant. So uh, I could, yeah, it would have been a great one for John Denver. I didn't realize that song was that, that old, but I know, didn't you do it with the Statlers as well? Yes, uh, I recorded that. Uh, I think it was it was our last. Uh, it, this is kind of a uh, kind of a weird uh, uh, thing that happened. But it's, the Statler Brothers started uh, their first hit was more than a. Well, I mean, the first hit was "Flowers on the Wall," uh-huh. and our last chart hit was "More Than a Name on a Wall." No kidding. Yeah, that's why we say the Statler Brothers wall to wall. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, but. Um, I was, uh, I'm trying to think, it was back in 19, about 1985, 86, right in there. Uh, they had built the wall, you know, the Vietnam Memorial in D.C., and I was hearing so much controversy about it. Uh-huh. And I was, uh, people were talking about it, and some people liked it, some people didn't, some people like, you know. And I said, you know, I really want to go see it for myself so I can, uh see what it is and feel what it is. And so I went up there to D.C. and I walked around the memorials and they're beautiful. But when I came up to the, walked up to the wall and I saw that granite, uh, black granite that you just look into and it just seems like you look way into it and you see those names, you know, one stacked on top of the other. Mm-hmm. Sixty sixty thousand names is a lot. You look in front of you, you see that name stretched out in front of you, and it it's a spiritually moving place anyway. And and I literally, it was overpowering to me. And I sit, I just sit there and I listened, and I watched. I watched, and especially my my attention went on this one mother who came there, and she was she walked up to the wall and she. Um, and and so immediately the song started unfolding in front of me right there because um, my my psyche or whatever you want to call it went on the other side of that wall looking through to this side mm-hmm. where it says, I saw her from a distance. It was him seeing her. I saw her from a distance as she walked up to the wall. And, and, she, and, and she took out pen and paper as to trade her memories. Uh, and... Um, you know, she laid her flowers down, and then she talked to God as if, she, if, uh, and talked to her son as if he was there. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the song was written. It wasn't written from my standpoint. It was written from his standpoint. Yeah. Mm. And the things that he saw her do. And so it let me know that I wasn't just standing there. The spirits of those who have gone on before are there as well. And so it it was a profound statement for it, it to hit me and say they're more than just a name on a wall because they are. That that's the part that tugs at the heartstrings for sure, that part of the song. You know, I mm-hmm. had 
I was a teacher for 12 years, and it was my first year teaching. I took a group to D.C., and we took them to the, the Vietnam Memorial Wall. And uh, one of my students had never got the chance to meet her uncle. He had died in Vietnam. And so we found his name on the wall, and she got to trace his name. And it was one of the, I'd say, most powerful just pictures I, I got while we was on that trip. Uh, and definitely have always meant a lot to me. Well, the there was uh, two two radio stations that would not play that song, kept it from going to number one. There were two billboard stations that would not play it. Yeah. Otherwise... Yeah, more than likely, but it, it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, uh, but they uh, it still was a top ten song though. Uh, so, uh, but it still outsold just about everything we had. Uh, so in sales, it was number one in sales. That uh, tells you how big that song was. But one of the things that when soldiers uh, or veterans come up to me and after a show, so one of the most powerful things they can do and have done many, many times, is tears in their eyes, stick their hands out, shake my hand, and can't get a word out. Yeah. They don't say anything. And it's more, it's so powerful to me. I look into look into their eyes and I just say thank you. And they shake their heads and go on. And I had, a, a, one of the things that inspired me was before that, I had a friend of mine that went to Vietnam. I worked with him in Charlottesville, Virginia, before the Statler Brothers hired me. And he used to tell me a story about him um, being in Vietnam. And he said, you know, I went to Vietnam, and he said, you know what? I I, I did my uh, first stint in Vietnam, uh, a tour, and he said uh, it was hard. And he said, I came home, and I got off the plane, and he said, I thought, saw all these people there, and I thought, man, they're, they're, I got a lot of people greeting me. And he said, when I walked down off the plane, came through the gate, they spit on me, oh, called me God. every name in the in the book, they, everything they could call me, and they were throwing stuff at me. And he said, you know what I did? I said, what? He said, I went right into the recruiting office and signed up for another tour, and I went back. Oh, my God. And I thought myself, I said, you know, those guys like that deserve something. They deserve. They fought. I mean, the the war was a kind of it was a political thing, and it was terrible. I thought, you know, it was. Uh, but those guys and girls fought for the same thing everybody else fought for, and, and yet um, they were treated like that, you know. So um, it, it was a sad time. But I said, I told him, I said, people don't feel that way anymore. People love and respect our Vietnam veterans. I believe that with all my heart. Absolutely, like uh, you know. Uh like when we're at the gym, I know Brandon does it and I do it. If I see a, a, a lady or a man wearing a hat or anything that has to do with service, I always tell them thank you. I don't care if it was World War One or, or they just got off the, the boat right now. You know, I, I'm always mm-hmm. grateful because they've, they've stood for something, and they're the reason that, you know, I get to have this podcast and talk to my mm-hmm. girls like yourself. Well, they're the reason that we've had the greatest country on earth for so yeah. long, and it really has been. I mean, we – and that's why I hope and pray we don't take it for granted because there's no more Americas. There's right. no more Americas. Uh, this is all. This is all we got. And once this is done, if it's if it ever is, and we destroy it, we're not going to have this, and we're going to be sorry that we didn't take care of it. You know. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. And as of right now, which God forbid, but it it, it looks like they just want to just light it ablaze. But hopefully, right. this will all pass. You know, hopefully. I hope so because I really feel like uh, 
you know, God in his infinite wisdom and grace and love and uh, forgiveness, uh, he, he will, he will, if we, you know, turn back to him and we can start living our lives like, uh, loving one another like we should and, and, uh, having some morals again, uh, he'll bless us again. He'll bless you again and again and again and again if we do that. But if we are non, are not thankful and we choose not to believe, uh, and choose to choose the wrong path, how can he bless us, you know? And I, so I'm hopefully, I, I'm, a, I'm hopeful that we will, uh, I know it sounds cliche and I sound like, uh, it sounds like I'm preaching, but I'm not. I'm just saying what was on people's minds today. Yeah. Uh, because I have children that are asking, my children and grandchildren are asking me questions every day. What's going on, Papa? What's going on, Dad? Uh, and, you know, I try to give them as honest an answer as I can. Uh, because uh, our children are kind of looking at this and going, what in the world is going on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and uh, I want to be strong for them, and we need to be strong for them. We need to look at things in a positive way and say, uh, try not to get dragged down into the mire of it all Yeah. and and try to look out for one another, really. And I, I can't say that enough. But uh, if we can just try to stay positive, love one another, and take care of our families because, uh, you know, it's just a it's just a really really strange time that we're living in. Yeah, I agree. Um, and the whole time you're talking about that beautiful song and everything, I couldn't help but thinking. And uh, you know, if it was two California radio stations that stopped that from being number one, I think I know what their main qualm was. Yeah. You didn't find a way to stick a kangaroo in that last wall song. <laughs> I mean, I know it was a beautiful song, but if you'd have stuck Captain Kangaroo somewhere in, I think oh, they, yeah. they would have known. Yeah. That's oh right. yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, Captain totally Kangaroo. Oh my gosh, what a great song! Uh, uh, Flowers on the Wall. When I listen to that, I guess how brilliant uh, Lou DeWitt was that wrote that song. Yeah. Oh, it's a brilliant song. Would you say you sang that ten thousand times in your life? Oh, uh, flowers on the wall, probably. I'd say pretty close to it. Well, yeah. Let's, uh, let's go into this because I found out something. If it's right, I'm so jealous. I can't stand myself. But did you recently record a special in Columbia, Tennessee? That's where we live. I did um, down at Roy Feek's place. Oh, um, yeah. I did a uh, a a special project with uh, Ben Isaacs, Bradley Walker, and Mike Rogers. And Gordon Moats uh, Gordon playing piano with yeah. with a world class band. I mean, I'm talking unbelievable band that we had. But it's a kind of a quartet. It is a quartet group. Although there's some there's some trio things in it. There's some solo things in it. Uh, it's called Brotherly Love. Uh-huh. And um, we uh, Bill Gaither's organization. Um, I talked to us about that a couple years ago, and, and we finally. Got everybody together and recorded it. I, I must say it's probably one of the, if not the best things that I've ever been involved in. Uh, the vocal ranges, the vocals, uh, the the way the uh, Bradley Walker. Uh, I know most people are familiar with Bradley, uh, one of the greatest singers. Oh my gosh, his baritone voice. He can also sing bass. He sings lead. Uh, Mike Rogers, one of the 
tenor, he's a tenor singer that sings over top of me, singing sky high on things and uh, play, plays any instrument there is. Of course, Ben Isaacs, everybody knows Ben Isaacs of the Isaacs, a great producer, great songwriter, great singer, uh, great bass player. Uh, he's uh, He produced the whole thing and sang on it, played on it. Um, but uh, it just got released on uh, iTunes uh just just recently um and so you can get it. it's called brotherly love and it's a it's a dvd that you can download and a cd that you can download we couldn't we're supposed to release the cd and dvd uh last month but with the COVID and everything uh the factory shut down so we couldn't get the physical product out there mm-hmm. so we had to release it you know um on the online you know like that. Yeah, I, I watched, you know, the Daddy Sing bass and everything, which is dynamite, and then I saw Columbia, and then I, I looked at it where you can download and everything, and because I didn't get an invite, the next time Rory comes into the gym, I'm going to revoke his, his membership. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, need, yeah, I need to be sitting up front. That was a, I can't believe I missed that. I just want to kick myself in the, in the, in the shin for it. Well, Roy, uh, he hosted it along with Bill Gaither, and, uh, he did a great job, uh, Roy. As you know, he's just one of the greatest guys in the world, and and we love him so much. And um, it was just an honor to get to do it there. It's just a magical place, really. I love it down there. I do. I I could live that down that way in a heartbeat. Yeah, I think it's just yeah, it's just so beautiful. Just um, just a simple, simple, simple little uh, country area. You know, he's got his little restaurant over there. It's really it's a great little spot, and it brings a lot of people out there just because. You know he's associated with it, and I really like that it's doing well for him. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean he he deserves it, man. What the guy's been through so much, and uh, yeah, you know with Joy and uh, losing her, and uh, he's got his little girl. She's a sweetheart, Indiana. Oh my gosh, she's precious. And uh, he's got that school that's going. It's a little. What how brilliant that was to have a little one room school like thing, and it goes all over the world on the computer. He could send it out everywhere, so people in other countries can actually go to that school even on, on, on video, you know, through the internet. It's pretty neat how he, how he's set it all up. And, uh, you know, so, uh, I'm glad for him. I'm so happy for him. I really am. Yeah. He's a great dude. Well, Hey, Jimmy, I want to ask you, of course, it'll be, it'll be a week or two before, uh, we, we get this interview out, but, uh, you have a special event going on tonight, don't you, sir? That you, is that something you'd like to share with us about with the St. Jude fundraiser? Yeah, I teamed up with uh, Virginia Loves St. Jude, uh, and we we've all we've been involved with uh, you know giving to St. Jude for a lot of years, but uh, just got involved with uh, the Virginia Loves St. Jude in the last few weeks, and uh, it's going to be a special concert that's going to be on tonight. Um, uh, I'll say I was going to say how, what you could click on to get it, but I don't have that information right in front of me right now, but. Um, it's going to be at six thirty tonight. I know that. Uh, and um, it's, now will that uh, be Eastern time or Central on that? That would be uh, Eastern time, six thirty. Okay. Uh, and um, what it is is people can go on and you set up your own web page so that people can call, can send into your web page and donate through your web page. And and it's kind of neat because we're singing with all these different artists that are from Virginia, and we all get like to do two songs a piece, and 
and then when they when they donate to your website, you send it in, and um, if you get over $150, they send you a shirt. That's a really nice shirt. I got it on right now, as a matter of fact, um, St. Jude shirt. That um, it's a special country concert, and so it's kind of a way for them to to donate and do, and so the artists can kind of give back to to the community and to the state um, what it means to um, be associated with uh, with uh, someone like like St. Jude and what they've done for so many families, and it's just one of the most wonderful organizations there's ever that's ever been started. Um, and so we would definitely want to support that. And so, uh, like I said, this, uh, June the 18th, which is actually tonight. So, uh, that you'll be able to go on and do that. So I hope people will. Yeah. And they will, what we'll do is we won't put the podcast out a little later, but we'll take this uh, segment and put it on like a SoundCloud and promote it this evening, because that is a wonderful thing. Uh, you know, because they let them kids come from all over the place, and and you know they got enough to worry about. But with donations and good-hearted uh, people like you, they they don't have to they don't have to foot a bill on top of everything else they got to worry about. Yeah, because um, uh, I know. I mean, I know how it is. I have a son that was born with spinal bifida, and um, it was a very serious thing. Uh, he was uh, when when he was born, they didn't think he would make it. It was the worst case of that they'd ever had at University of Virginia and uh they didn't think he'd make it you know because it was so bad it was uh he's like if we, they said if we don't operate in two hours he's gonna he, he won't make it for sure oh, wow. but the good the good news is he's 47 years old now so that's great uh you know he's made it through it so I know what it's like to have a child that has problems and uh how you feel and how you hurt for that child and how you wonder how is his his or her life is going to be and uh how are you going to pay for things and uh, i had uh shriners crippled children's foundation came in and took care of everything for for me at that time mm-hmm. uh i never got a bill never got one bill about for anything and i was 17 when he was born so as you can imagine it was pretty uh pretty devastating i was a young daddy and uh that was uh it devastated me and, and my wife at the time. Uh, so it was uh, meant a lot when somebody like the Shriners uh, steps in and helps people like they do, as well as St. Jude. Um, you know, that they're like angels sent straight out of heaven. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, I, I, I appreciate you sharing that. That's quite a story. And, and you know, thank God that he's still here. That, that is an amazing thing. And, uh, we appreciate you. Uh, you've always been uh, gracious to us, and, and and you're a phenomenal person and a singer. And I'm just you're you're I'm a huge fan, and, and you're one of my heroes. And just thank you for taking the time, and uh, we'll let you go to get prepared for your show, and then we appreciate it. Well, you're very very welcome. If you guys need anything at all, just let me know. And thank you so so much for allowing me the opportunity to be here with you all today and for such a great job that you all do with all your artists you have on. It means a lot to us, and uh, I, want you, I want you to know that. And uh, we, we couldn't do this without people like you, so thank you guys. Well, that means a lot. To, it's truly an honor and a pleasure. Just every time you bring that guitar and that voice to Columbia, just, just thank to send us a message. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I come on and do some live stuff. For, I do Elizabeth live for you. 
Just a good old boys, never meaning no harm. <laughs> On the podcast, we have Ben Jones, who famously played Cooter Davenport. On the Dukes of Hazard, one of my favorite television programs of all time. Uh, Mr. Jones is an actor, politician, and playwright who also served four years in the United States House of Representatives. Uh, he was gracious enough to lend us some of his time for us. A very intelligent man, very well spoken, and loves his fans, which makes me love him and the show just that much more. It's coming up next, right here on the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. And away we go. And I want to call you Mr. Jones. I have so much respect for you, if that's okay. Um, uh, well, you can. That just makes me feel old. And I'm, I'm old anyhow, so you don't have to rub it in. All right. Well, it's just, uh, you've meant so much to us. And uh, Brandon still eats out of his Dukes of Hazard lunchbox. He's uh, just turned 35, and he still has the thermos and everything. Oh, yeah, man. Hang on to that stuff. It's it's All that's collectible now, very collectible, anything from the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, I told him not to. Do, yeah, I told him not to eat out of it, but he doesn't listen. <laughs> no, well, that, that just you gotta eat. <laughs> well, hey, hey Ben, I've got a question for you. I'm sticking to my, my daily lunch habits. Uh, I'm, I'm a pretty big boy, about 300 pounds, and I just have to know: could the General Lee support my weight if I did a hood slide on it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, we one of the fun things uh, was we we. It was kind of a recurring theme on the show. It happened a few times where we'd have to get Boss Hogg in and out of the General Lee <laughs> through the window, you know. And that really took some tugging and pulling and pushing. <laughs> well, that was one question I was telling Brandon earlier. There was an episode on the Dukes, and I think it was Lulu. I don't remember who it was. She was a heavyset lady, and they got her in the back of the General Lee, and I was yep. wondering how that happened. Uh, well, it just, uh, I think in, in that case, uh, you start, you start pushing and then you cut, you know, and, <laughs> and then we, you know, we'd open the door and she'd sit in there and then you close the door and then cut to where she, hoof! Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, um, well, you know, we were talking about Columbia and, uh, I saw that you were heavily involved in the Sons of the Confederacy. Are you aware that they're building a big museum here for that in Columbia, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I'm a life member of the SCV, and all of my people fought for the South. And, um, you know, I, uh, I'm also a lifetime member of the NAACP, so I'm probably the only person with those two members, life memberships. But, uh, yeah, uh, the the Sons and all of us, there are – approximately, this is, I'm not kidding now, 80 million Americans wow. who are descended from those who fought for the Confederacy. And that's a pretty accurate number. It might even be low if you add up each generation afterwards and how, you know, how people proliferated. And there were big families back in those days, too. So 80 million people, that's about one out of every four Americans wow. descended from the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm one of them. So, but, you know, and that sort of tied in my love of the South. And it's a long story, but um, I, I say I was involved in the civil rights movement. And that's how I got into politics, and I, that was 
I believe, the right thing to do at the time. And I think that whole idea, which Dr. King embraced, of bringing black and white Southerners together mm-hmm. with all we had in common, it was a spiritual movement. He was a minister, and everybody in that thing was, you know, uh, Southern Christian Le- uh, Leadership Conference out of Atlanta. And uh, Andy Young's a good friend of mine who was a, a minister, too, of course. And so I knew all those guys, and, and I went down to Atlanta. And uh, this was not even an issue 10, 15 years ago. We didn't hear about rebel flags and the enormous divisiveness. And a couple of years back, I went down uh, at and- Reverend Andrew. Young. Andy Young was also the United States uh, ambassador to the United Nations. He was a congressman, and he was twice the mayor of Atlanta. And he's one of the most prominent African Americans in the world. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, I went down to this conference we did at Morehouse College in Atlanta, which was uh, where the oldest black university, men's black university in America. Uh, Dr. King went there, as a matter of fact. A lot of other people, Spike Lee went there and like that. But, uh, in fact, uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s father, Daddy King, we called him, uh, graduated from Morehouse. It's it's a really old institution. Anyhow, uh, and the discussion, it was a panel discussion about the Confederate flag, and Andy has just said, listen, you know, during the Civil Rights Movement, it was never an issue. We didn't care. You know, uh, mm-hmm. the idea was to bring... As as Dr. King said, the sons of former slaves and the fun, sons of former slave owners, his dream was to see us all dining together at the table of brotherhood. Well, we did that. But now mm-hmm. all that's being torn down. And yes. I, I did this TV thing the other day, and I said, well, you know, the thing was appealing. It was a nonviolent religious movement, and it worked because it appealed to people's consciences. Mm-hmm. And this, what's going on now is is a is not is a violent thing that appeals to people's fears, saying my way or the highway, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's you know there's I think that tears up a lot of the progress we made, and ultimately it's just all it's doing is dividing the country, getting people's yes. backs up. Yes, sir. Um, one thing, and and since we brought that up, that uh, really what I wanted to talk to you about is that uh, you know Brandon and I we're we're in our late thirties and. Uh, we we uh, we very much love and appreciate the Dukes of Hazard. We have our whole lives, and it's it's one of the greatest things, one of the most wholesome things on TV besides Andy Griffith. And what really irks me, and I'm sure Brandon agrees, is that every time something unfortunate happens, one of the first things they want to do is take away the Dukes of Hazard, like Amazon, where, where where I get to watch it for free. I don't want them to take it away from me. Uh, I, I don't like that. Why, why do you think they want to pick on? one of the clean things we have on TV when all there's so much dirt on there right now. Well, I can tell you this, that, uh, you know, when the show was on the air, back in those days when we started out, there were only three major networks. Fox wasn't around. Uh, CNN was just starting then to create what became cable television. And, of course, there were no streaming, none of that. You know, there was no Internet. There were three networks. So Uh on Friday nights, Every Friday night for years, 30 to 40 million people were watching the Dukes of Hazard, and then Dallas, and then, you know, and then after that on Friday night on CBS. Now, that's you know today a big hit show has eight, ten million people. So 
the country was watching it, and we became a permanent part of Americana. And folks raised their kids on it because they could trust the show. Nobody ever got hurt. Nobody ever bled. Nobody, you know, the good guys always won. It was there was no profanity. There was no overt sexual innuendo or any of that. It was a very wholesome, old-fashioned show, mm-hmm. and it's still around for that reason. It, it's you know played all over the world in this era of DVDs and all of that. They're hot sellers, and we've been through VHS syndication. You name it, video games. The Dukes of Hazard is still, it's a permanent part of Americana, and it's beloved all over the planet. And they're going after it because of that rebel flag. That's an easy thing to point out. And, uh, oh, that's offensive. You know, it was a rebel flag. Was a, <clears throat> and I'm always out there saying, no, that's, that's, uh, it's a benign thing. I said, you know, yeah, there are 80 million descendants of the South, and, and those descendants, by the way, over the generations have fought in every war this country's had, Spanish-American War, World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, Afghanistan, you name it. There were Southerners there, descendants of the Confederacy fighting for America. Mm-hmm. And, the- and, and you've got to remember, those, those, the, the people of the men of the Confederacy were very dedicated Americans. Um, they, they thought of themselves very much. In fact, their fathers had been the founders, Washington, Jefferson. Uh, Robert E. Lee's father was Light Horse Harry Lee, who was George Washington's cavalry you know, chief. Mm-hmm. So it, you start looking at American history, and it's complicated. There are also black folks who fought for the South. People don't want to believe it, but it's true. It was a complicated thing. And I always say, well, oh, it's, it's slavery. It represents slavery. I said, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you read... Abraham Lincoln's first inaugural address, the first thing he did when he was elected president, he he urged passage by the states of the Corwin Amendment, an amendment to the Constitution which had passed the Congress in the previous administration. I think it was Franklin Pierce or somebody. So what the Corwin Amendment would have done would have made slavery permanently constitutional and protected perpetuity forever mm-hmm. I mean, nobody in the south wanted that people in the south were trying how do we get out of this but so that's lincoln and nobody wants to to talk about that but he was the same guy who said recommended that and uh you know, so and slavery was a northern enterprise anyway it was funded in new york new england and that's where the ships came from and that's where the cotton went to and that's that's where the profits went to also Mm-hmm. So the South just takes a heap and blame for that. But so the rebel flag, that is, and what I say is, listen, whoa, yeah, it was used, uh, it was a battle flag. It wasn't the official flag of, the, of that government. But what it is is a Christian cross. It's a Christian cross of St. Andrew. You guys know this. It was, it was uh, Christ's uh, first uh, disciple. And, and Andrew was... Uh, crucified in, in a spread eagle way, like an X, and that became a symbol since then for a couple of thousand years. You look at the flag of Scotland; that's a Saint Andrew's cross, and that's what that's what the battle flag was. And these people thought of themselves, and they were devout Christians. So, you know, to me, that that's the primary symbol. But that flag on top of the 
General Lee isn't going anywhere. Every day people watch those reruns. Every day they play those DVDs. Uh, they they look at their old stuff, the lunch boxes and the you know uh, playing cards. You name it. There were over a thousand different items of merchandising from that show. So mm-hmm. you can't you can't put that back in the bottle. You know you can't. You just have to say, well, yeah, well, why was it? In 1984-85, that 30 to 40 million Americans are watching this show, and I cross every demographic, black people, red people, brown people, yellow people, old people, young people, foreign people. Everybody loved the Dukes of Hazzard, and there wasn't one complaint about the rebel battle flag. Mm-hmm. That started much later. It's totally political, and, uh, you know, it, it, I can't change. I mean, why would I go back on that? I just think it's a, it's 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 BS. If you'll pardon the expression. It's, yes, it's no, I, yes, sir. I, I agree. It just um, it irks a guy like me. I've enjoyed it. And I'm very protective over it. And uh, you know, I've met you uh, on several occasions. Been to a few Duke's fests and oh, everybody. Right. It's the most. It's it's such a peaceful gathering. You know, I've never been in any event that was at, whether it was at Cooters or Nashville Palace, um, or, or or you know anywhere the Nashville Fairgrounds where I felt, you know this this is a racist gathering. This is just good folks. Yeah. In fact, just, you likely saw people from Africa there or or Japan. Sure. We get people from all over the world come to those things, and a lot of black folks from the yeah. south. They just grew up, love it. You know, they don't have a problem with it. Uh, so. Yeah, you know, what do we do at our stores? And I, I sort of give this a little sermon because uh, the, the, the attacks on us and the franchise and the flag and all that, I said, listen, I only know one way to treat people. And mama, my mama said treat everybody the same. And if you do that, because none of us got to fill out an application form when we came into this world. The Lord created us the way we are, and we should respect that. And if you do that, you get past all that political stuff, and you and you start using the language of the heart. Treat everybody the same, and that's the way we did in Hazard County. There was no racism in Hazard County, never, ever, yeah, not I, a hint of that. You know, nothing. Yeah. nothing I like never, that. yeah, I was about to say, I never saw one sign of it. As a matter of fact, like you said, um, they they had their conflicts, but at the end of the day, everybody was safe and went about their business. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The bad guys who would come in from out of town, you know, they always got their comeuppance, and they went off to the slammer. But but Boston Roscoe, we they sort of, you know, everybody broke bread at the end of the day. That's it. Way and and you know that show, you know, had the best had the best action ever filmed for a television show. Oh no uh, doubt, just, just no doubt. Great action and great comedy, slapstick comedy. Never get so. Had Daisy Duke. All you had to do was walk Catherine by the camera every once in a while, and they <laughs> up, you know. And the good guys won. Nobody got hurt, and I think that's why it's still beloved all over the world. And people understand that that what's going on is merely is totally political, and uh, and uh, often some what we've been seeing in the last few weeks appeals to the worst in people. I think. You know, I think that, you know, police brutality and police murders are terrible things, but that happens to white folks, too, and red folks. And, and you know, uh, it, it has to be understood in the context. But 
and, and nobody supports that. I mean, it's like we all to see that and go, oh, my God, you know, what a terrible thing. Uh, and it, so there's nothing that w- much that we can change that will please people in that way. We just got to try to do better, and we got to try to come together in a, as a nation, as people, as individuals. I agree, one hundred fifty percent. That's uh, no no wiser words have been spoken there, Cooter. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's been a lot of wiser words. That's just the way I feel about it. I, you know, if we keep it simple and just treat everybody the same with respect until we have some reason not to, that's the best way to proceed. We've done that at Cooter's, and uh, and the, we did it on the Dukes of Hazard. So I think it's, if we just keep on going, this will be around, the Dukes of Hazard will be around after we're gone. You know, it's just a classic, and it's beloved. So uh, glad you guys watched it. Oh yes, sir. That's, well, you know, that's why that's why it turned out so well. <laughs> I'll tell my mom she can't take all the credit now. But uh, hey, I was uh, actually it was, a, it was a fun experience for me. I guess it was last year. You and Tom and Catherine all were on uh, the Huckabee show, and uh-huh. got a chance to go up there and see you guys. And uh, just, y'all were talking about some of the festivals and things that you have going on. So. Uh, is that something that y'all be able to get started again this year, as far as some of the, the Dukes of Hazard festivals and different activities? Uh, well, we've done a lot show? of those. Uh, we've done a lot of those over the years, and uh, you know maybe somebody else will pick it up or or do one. But it's it's as older I get, so much work. My wife Alma does all the work anyway. But it's you know uh, I've I've reached the point where I'm just. Uh, you know, every every part of me is broken, and uh, <laughs> I'm pushing 80. So I'm slow. I don't know slowing down, but doing those really big uh, things, those festivals like we did last year. We've done we've done a lot of them over the years. We did one in Nashville, and you might remember 2006, uh, and we had between it was estimated between 80 and 100 thousand people at the fairgrounds in Nashville the biggest event ever in Nashville. And it was a Duke's Fest, and it was something. The whole cast was there, and we had music for two days. We had it going, wrestling, car stunts, uh, all kinds of things. And that's where the, our old stunt, stunt, best stunt driver, Corey Eubanks, jumped to General Lee, what was it, something like 260, 70 feet, most of a football field. And that, that was a record, and uh, it was just spectacular. Yeah, I was I was actually there, Cooter. I, I bet I waited in line three hours to get my picture made with John Schneider. <laughs> Schneider always got the longest lines, you know. I think. Yeah, that's uh, because my wife was there with me at the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, he uh, all all the girls like like uh, Bo. Yeah. But now and, and maybe I should say the longest lines would be Catherine. I think Catherine Bach is America's sweetheart. Yeah. And it's, and it's like that all over the world. Uh, we've just had so much fun with it, and I, I, you know, went and had a political career and did movies and things like that afterwards. But came back here to the, uh, we found this wonderful home in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, and then one day I saw this old store, a uh, fruit stand kind of thing. I said, I think I'll put all my old Dukes of Hazard stuff out there, park with General Lee out front, and call it Cooters, and you know, sell. Uncle Jesse's apple stuff like that, you know, and, and it just took off, and it took off. We now have a store here in Blue Ray, Virginia, and one in uh, Nashville, uh, down by the Opry, right across from there, 
old McGavick bike, and uh, uh, one in Pigeon Forge, which was in Gatlinburg for years. We moved to Pigeon Forge. So, and they're doing great. And people do come from all over the world and uh, of the Dukes of Hazard. And I haven't heard one complaint about that flag yet. Yeah, I haven't either. That, and that's why I was uh, so interested in getting your, your take on it because, uh, you know, like, like I said, every time – something unfortunate happens and i'm not i'm not saying i'm not sympathetic to all of it, it it's wrong and uh, it needs to be uh put a stop to but it just seems like they always uh they try to pick on the good stuff like like our show like our beloved dukes of hazard and i just don't think it's right and I, and I don't know what to do about it other than tell amazon uh like brandon here he he went and started buying up the dvds he was worried they weren't gonna be anymore <laughs> that's why that's a wise thing to do uh, because we've seen that. We've seen that, and it's sort of in the last, oh, just eight or ten years. But it's odd. You know, our country's been around for a long time. The show's been around for a long time. The flag's been around for a long time. But only in these last few years has it been brought into controversy, and and all these guilt trips are running at us. It just simply wasn't that way. I mean, uh this 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 is a recent thing, and it's a political thing. We know that, and uh, you know I've, I've so many black friends, or so many wonderful black folks and African Americans who come to our store, and and Africans from Africa too. The show's very popular there. Uh, one time, these folks pulled up, and they need to use the restroom. This is when we first started the store, and, and and it was getting dark, and we were closing up, and these folks were going back to Washington D.C. And there were these two girls with these folks, and they were exchange students from Zimbabwe. <laughs> and, and Alma says, well, starts to explain, well, we, this is a story about the Dukes of Hazard. There was a put the general lead back. And this girl said, we have Dukes of Hazard in Zimbabwe. Like, <laughs> really take us and think we just fell off the turnip truck or something. You know, I mean, <laughs> and they did. Uh, and, and all over Africa, it was very popular in South America and Asia. And we've had people come from as far away as New Zealand to these who own General Lee's. It's, yeah. it's a phenomenal thing, and uh, so I, it's not going away. They can shame us and call us names, but you know, just got to turn the other cheek and consider the source on that. That's it. I agree. Well, um, let me uh, ask you one more thing, and, and uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, one question I had, and I was curious, and I'm sure you're aware of it. Uh, the the counting car shows on the History Channel. Are you aware of the episode where that guy took his pristine '69 uh, Charger General Lee, had him replace the uh, Rebel flag with the American flag? And what were your thoughts on that? Well, that's silly. That just brings you know, there, there's nothing wrong. There's no, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with the Rebel battle flag. It's a cross. It's a Christian cross for crying out loud. And if you really want to get into associations, the the KKK, which as far as I can tell is a bunch of pinheaded people in Pennsylvania and Ohio and all, uh, the, the official flag of the KKK is the American flag. It's just stars and bars. I mean, uh, old glory. So, uh-huh. you know, we can get into too much of that. It's, that's just silly. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't change a thing. It would just draw attention to it. And it would presume that we have something to be ashamed of, and we do not. We simply do not. I'm, I'm proud of my ancestors. They were of their time. It happened. 
Uh, we've come a long way in the South. And, uh, you know, after the, the, the Civil War, nobody in the South had anything, black or white. And it was a, a terrible time, and it took decades and decades for folks to start getting back up on their feet. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so our people have been through a lot. I think we should be proud of them. And uh, if here's that old thing. We start erasing history, which is what they're doing, tearing down monuments, statues, build, you know, burning buildings, all this stuff. Then if, there's an old saying, if you've... If you forget the past, you're bound to repeat it. You know, Absolutely. You can't, you can't destroy history. It is what it is, and uh, we try to learn from it and go on from there. So that's, you know, I'm just not interested in all this cultural cleansing and political correctness. I think it's what the Nazis did, matter of fact. Yeah. Yep, they it's tried. Un-American. It's un-American. We have freedom of expression here, you know. Yeah, Pooter, it's time to run for president. It's time to go ahead and make that plunge. Maybe I'll just run for Boss Hogg's job in Hazard County. I'd have more chance getting to be president. Now, I, um, I do keep my finger in politics and keep my ear to the ground on it. And I, that's, I think every American should. And I think we uh, get serious here for a second. We're in a very critical point in, our, in American history and in our social fabric and our brotherhood and fellowship, those old-fashioned words. And, uh, you know, these are trying, very trying times. And I think, you know, I think we ought to, every one of us got on our knees and begged for help from above, we might get through this. I agree with you. Well, hey, Ben, I guess we're about to wrap up here in a minute, but I've got a question for you. Okay. So, um, all of us Dukes of Hazard fans would love to know if we were looking at a map, where would Hazard County be at? <laughs> well, it would be somewhere in your head. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, <laughs> the imagination of the most splendid place, back yeah. where nobody, no, you can fall off a cliff and have a car land on top of you, and you don't even get hurt. You just brush it off, and a place where you know it's in the heart. Uh, the the best that is in America and in the South, that's where it is. Uh, we pretended we were in Georgia, and we started filming in Georgia, but after that it was just a state of mind, you know, down south somewhere where the good guys always won, you know. That's perfect. Well, I always wondered as a kid watching the show if the people in Hazard County was upset that they were paying taxes, but there was all those bridges out around the county. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we did. Uh <laughs> But there is, you know, a, kind of a famous town in Perry County, Kentucky, called Hazard. We won Z, and uh, they've had a lot of fun with the Dukes of Hazard over the years. They used to have a big Dukes festival and stuff. And, uh, anyhow, they have fun with it. But uh, like I say, it it's just uh, it's 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 an imaginary place. But wouldn't it be nice if the world was like that? Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Indeed, and that's why after all this time we still cling to it and we get excited when our heroes like uh, Ben Cooter Jones gives us a call and graces us with his presence. Well, you, you know, I appreciate it, y'all, and uh, any old time. Breaker one, breaker one, might be crazy, but I ain't done. Crazy Cooter coming at y'all, got your ears on, y'all. I'm down, I'm gone. Catch y'all on the flip-flop. Mm-hmm. 
And that wraps up another edition of the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. I'd like to thank you, the listener, for giving it a gander. Without you, there'd be no purpose in doing the podcast. So thank you very much for listening. If you have any friends or anybody you know you think would make a great guest, have them hit me up, please, at joshbelcher at hotmail.com. Special guest to uh, former Statler brother, country music legend Jimmy Fortune, Ben Cooter Jones of Dukes of Hazard, and co host the church comedian Brandon Skelton. For everybody out there, remember I love you for you and where you're at in life. We'll catch you later on down the, the line next week for the uh, new podcast, uh, new edition of the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. Okay, take care. Have a great week. Bye bye.